Alrighty, good evening, everybody. Guru and Wiz Fantasy Football Podcast. Final podcast for the AFC, Wiz, uh, before we move on to the NFC. And we are talking about the Los Angeles Chargers. Wiz, how are you this evening? Yeah, doing well. Down to the last team. We're going to talk about the capsules as far as the AFC is concerned. And then we're going to uh, talk talking about the uh, NFC next week. And, you know, uh, it's kind of amazing, Wiz, when you think about it. And, uh, you know, I know we play in some uh, in, in keeper leagues, so Justin Herbert drafted in those leagues. But, you know, the circumstances around his rise to starting quarterback last year amongst the more unusual ones where a punctured lung cost Tyrod Taylor uh, an ability to play at all. And, and you know, from the get-go, Ju- Justin Herbert stepped in. An amazing, amazing season. Uh, you know, look, I look at that sidelines at times, and Anthony Lynn looked like to be bewildered, not exactly uh, professional at uh, clock management. But Justin Herbert was calm, cool, and collective. Uh, 4,300 yards as a rookie, 31 touchdowns, 10 interceptions. Just to put that into perspective, folks. So, as you remember Peyton Manning coming into the NFL. Now, granted, the NFL is a different league nowadays. A Peyton Manning threw like 29 interceptions as a rookie. And here's a guy like Justin Herbert, drafted number six in the draft, steps in and you know, you look at what he's done as a rookie and you can only wonder what is to come down the road for Justin Herbert as a starting quarterback in the NFL. Yeah, he was terrific. He took the lead by storm. Uh, and, you know, to complete that story about Tyra Talley, he suffered a punctured lung, but not by the hands of a defense. It was by the hands of the team doctor. And, and one, you know, there, there has been stories circulated that, that, that there may be some nefarious activity going on. I'm not suggesting that in any way, shape, or form. But perhaps the doctor felt that uh, Tyrod Taylor was not the answer. And uh, a little bit of a loose hand uh, created that. Well, I'm not, I don't want to joke about anybody's injuries, for sure. And Tyrod Taylor looks like he's going to have the opportunity to start in the NFL this year. But, you know, that led to Justin Herbert stepping in from the get-go for the Chargers. And uh, obviously, he never let go of that. Yeah, there's no question. I'm not sure I would take the Pfizer vaccine from uh, the Chargers team doctor. That's for sure. <laughs> well, anyway, was, we, 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 uh, we, we, where that thing would go? What would uh, no, that? absolutely not. But we do have a change here in, in town where Brandon Staley comes from the um, comes from the Rams, moves across town to the Chargers to become the head coach. Uh, a guy who was the defensive coordinator of the Chargers, sorry, of the Rams but was a college quarterback. So I find that extremely interesting. I'm sure that appealed to Chargers' ownership when it came to handling of a young quarterback like Herbert and given the fact that he's played the position. Uh, we have an NFL legend's grandson. Not that he's an NFL legend as an offensive coordinator in this league. His one foray into that was not particularly successful. And I'm talking about Joe Lombardi, who's Vince Lombardi's grandson, who will be the offensive coordinator, but has some familiarity with the New Orleans Saints system. Uh, and I think that that kind of becomes interesting. I've seen a few comments that he's made, on, particularly on on Austin Eckler, how potentially he could be used when you think about the system that he came from that used a player like Alvin Kamara. But, you know, I find Staley's selection as a head coach an interesting one. Again, a defensive guy, but a guy who played quarterback as a college player and certainly would make the language and the ability to kind of connect with your quarterback. I see that as being a positive step in this direction for this offense. I felt at times last year Anthony Lynn was just 
lost on the sidelines. They were one of the worst at time efficiency. Despite the fact that it was a successful offense, they just were not able to put the ball in the end zone a lot of times. So I think changes at the top were probably necessary and understand the reason why those being made. Always a risk when you go to a rookie coach, but nonetheless, they're going with a guy who's built a good defense and played college quarterback. Yeah, no question about it. There's a lot to like about the Chargers. They had some key guys uh, hurt last year on the defensive side. And, uh, yeah, I, I, you know, uh, Herbert, I have his quarterback one, not too much of a surprise to anyone. And, uh, you know, he should, you know, finish inside the top ten at the position for the year. Uh, you know, Kansas City's defense and the Raiders' defense. And, uh, you know, just it, it's, it's just a terrific offense, and they have some um, – very, very good players, solid players around him on the on the offensive side of the football. And uh, yeah, I mean, do you you know clearly have Herbert as quarterback one going into the year? Yeah, I clearly have him one. I actually see him in a lot of drafts going ahead of some of more elite names, kind of like ahead of a Russell Wilson, for example. I think in a lot of pre- people's boards, I think some people have you know Justin Herbert as kind of a top five guy this year. And I think I find it interesting. Uh, you know, he can do things with his legs, as you mentioned. He has some very good pass catchers here on this in this offense you know Keenan Allen one of the more elite receivers I think they have some interesting options behind him uh, I mentioned Eckler already who has a, a unique skill set as a pass catcher uh, they're going to have some new, new bodies at, at tight end but yeah I think Herbert I don't know that I'd put him in top five but certainly he's a top 10 quarterback coming into this season yeah and uh, and the, the, the Chargers at running back, you know, Eckler is one of these guys. He's just a good football player. He just does everything well. And uh, I think this is another interesting situation where it may be trying, it may be difficult to try and figure out if you draft Eckler and you're spending a lot of equity to get that player in an auction or an early pick in a snake draft, you'd like to get the, the handcuff to him. And if that's the thinking, I don't know what to think. I like Justin Jackson a lot as a player. He plays hard. He runs hard. But then there's some talk around the team that he actually could be cut. I don't think that's true. Joshua Kelly played great for a game or two after Eckler got hurt, and then he kind of cooled off and like moved down the depth chart. They drafted Roundtree. I mean, so how do you view the other guys? We know Eckler is a terrific player. How do you view the other guys? Who do you like to be the handcuff there, and uh, how are you viewing those guys? Yeah, so I, I just want to make, before I get into those other guys, I, I do want to make a comment on Eckler, because I think at times, in this, when he came back from the, the injury last year, he missed a lot of action, right? I would argue that the, 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 the Chargers were very patient with that player. And as I mentioned, given Lombardi's experience with, with a guy like Kamara and that New Orleans system, only three touchdowns for Eckler last year in, in, again, limited time. I think he only played seven games last year. Uh, but I think he didn't carry the ball a hell of a lot last year. I think they took it very easy on him, given that they had some depth. If you remember last year, they also had Kalen Balaj on this roster, and they mixed him up a lot. So I think you'll see more usage out of Eckler this year. So I think his value may be understated a little bit coming into drafts. But behind him, yeah, I, I'm kind of puzzled with Joshua Kelly kind of looked great to start the year and fell out of favor quickly. Uh, some fumbles and his yards per carry really dipped ineffective. I think whenever Justin Jackson got on the field he was electric when he got the opportunity but again not able to stay on the field so 
you know, I think the job is there for one of these guys to kind of be a, a you know, a one, a one B to, to, to the one A of, of Austin Eckler, where I can see whoever is able to get that role touching the ball 10 times in this offense per game. And I think that's kind of an important role because I think Jackson's a little bit better in the pass catching. I have a little bit more confidence if Jackson can stay healthy as him being that player out of Northwestern, smart kid, athletic. And if he could stay healthy, I like him a little bit more than Kelly. Kelly's a different player. Right, he's a he's a busy, busy, bigger, more physical guy. You know, you mentioned Roundtree, but I think there's a little bit too much in the in the way for Roundtree to become a factor, given that Jackson and Kelly are here. But both of those guys are going to be given every opportunity to back up uh, Austin Eckler in this offense. Yeah, there's no there's there, there's there's no question about that. All good players, a very very good running back room. Yeah, I think um, you talked about that that last year. You felt that this was one of the best young running back rooms in the NFL. Do you do you still feel that way? Yeah, even yeah, even more so now that Roundtree's in the mix. Yeah, I mean I'm not giving up on Jackson or Kelly. I like them a lot. And Eckler leading the way. It's a terrific running back room. And the thing about them is they're all very very young so uh there, there's a lot to like about um uh, that running back room and, and talking about and Wiz, by like, the way th- this is a better offensive line too right they've made investments with the draft they, they in the draft the, absolutely absolutely yeah slater lines, right i mean they were so horrendous uh uh you know trying to rush the ball with that offensive line last year uh and 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 if you put that talent with a better offensive line there's a, there's a lot of things to like about uh, the Chargers and uh, Austin Eckler in that running back room are, are certainly a big part of it. And uh, moving to wide receiver, boy, if you want to teach a young receiver how to run routes and the proper way to catch a ball with the use of his hands and how to how to just shield his body, shield the opposing defender by using his body, and Keenan Allen could be like just one of these guys where you could just watch play wide receiver all day. He's smooth. His, he's just a terrific receiver. And uh, as Justin Herbert is, you know, locked into QB1, I would imagine that you would agree with me that Keenan Allen is locked in as a top 12 wide receiver this year. Yeah, Keenan Allen built a little bit of a rep- reputation as an injury-prone guy, which I don't think was necessarily fair because he really has stayed quite healthy for the last three seasons and probably has been one of the most productive players and they're not afraid to force-feed this guy. He he fights for balls. He's got one of the best sets of hands in the leagues. We, we saw full confidence, of course, with a rookie quarterback going to his veteran. And yeah, you could argue to me, you could make the argument that Keenan Allen should be in the top five at receiver. He's, he's that good. He comes off a very, very strong year. And yeah, I like everything about the player. And like I said, I think he got a little bit of a reputation as being injury prone. And I thought that was kind of an unfair one because... Like I said, the last few years, he's been able to stay on the field without any problems whatsoever. Uh, You know, you look at his stats, right? Uh, Targets the last four years in a row, 159, 137, 150, and 146. 100 or more catches in three of the four years. I mean, you're talking a lot of strong things. I think the one negative thing we saw from Allen last year, and I think this would be attributed to 
you know, a rookie quarterback, and he's going to get better at that. Allen's yards per catch was actually a little bit lower. I think you'll see an expanded playbook in the second year for Justin Herbert, and I think you'll see those yards per catch, you know, pop back up above 10 yards per catch where Keenan Allen traditionally has been at. But he's as steady a pair of hands as you're going to get on, on a week-to-week basis in the NFL. Lining up opposite him is Mike Williams, and I just don't trust the player. Um, I know he's a terrific red zone target, and uh, with Herbert, obviously you'd like to have part of that offense, but I don't have him necessarily as even a wide receiver three in my book. I just don't trust the consistency. It's just, it's, it's, it's just such inconsistency where you just don't know uh, it, when it's going to be one of those weeks where he's going to have a couple of touchdowns and have a big game or he just puts up so many, so many of these clunkers. As far as me, I'm going to take a pass on Mike Williams. I know he's talented. I know he's a big red zone target, and I know a lot of people like the player. But I'm a pass on Mike Williams. I don't even have him as a wide receiver three. Uh, I may draft him, but it won't be as a starter. How do you feel about him? So I would agree with your assessment in a player. Uh, I would say he's a maddening guy. Uh, you know, if you look at Mike Williams over his career, one of these guys that's got that yards per carry attached to him, but not necessarily, you know, unbelievable production. I think the one intriguing thing to me when I look at Charger wide receivers, if outside of Keenan Allen, they've got a bunch of guys on this roster that can extend long plays. So there was a bunch of games last year late in the season uh, Tyron Johnson, right? You had um, Guyton on this team. Guys that both averaged over 20 yards a catch, uh, which is kind of rare. They add Josh Palmer this year from Tennessee. I know you liked the draft pick the uh, year before from Virginia. They, uh, they had Joe Reed. K.J. Hill was drafted last year. They're talking up Mike Williams early on this year, but I'm not completely confident in it. But the one thing that I'm confident is Justin Herbert gets the ball down the field. Keenan Allen gets a lot of attention. These other guys get one-on-one coverage. And last year, like I said, big plays late in the year to guys like Guyton and Tyron Johnson. You know, elite athletes, I think that's something to keep an eye on. This is a team that's going to throw for 45 to 4,700 yards in the year. I truly believe that Justin Herbert would be, be better than the year before. And with that, if, the, if, if you look at the production of those players averaging nearly 20 yards a catch, all, all of them, like I said, Guyton, Johnson, and Mike Williams, someone's going to emerge as a number two to Keenan Allen's number one. I'm not sold that it's going to be Mike Williams. He's, he's, he's fighting for a contract, right? I don't believe they extended the player. Uh, so I think this is a situation that needs to be watched because I do think you could see a number three receiver evolve out of this offense, and it might not necessarily be Mike Williams. Yeah, I, I agree with that. My question to you is, do you have any confidence in drafting a pass catcher uh, at the wide receiver position other than Keenan Allen that you think could be a fantasy football starter? Yeah, I'm going to say no right this second, but I'd say I think we're going to get a glimpse. I think one of those guys that we talked about, because I don't think even Mike Williams gets drafted in a lot of leagues, but I have a good sense that one of those players that we just spoke about will be a waiver wire pickup that's going to be very productive for your fantasy teams. I'm going to say that uh, with a very strong confidence. All right, and then uh, moving on to the tight end spot, uh, Jared Cook comes over, and uh, 
he's one of these guys who's been a touchdown dependent uh, in the past. He played with the great Drew Brees these last couple of years. Now he comes over and uh, and gets fortunate again to have someone like Justin Herbert throwing him the ball. Um, I do not have Jared Cook as uh, a top 12 tight end that I'll be drafting. Uh, I don't think he's one of the sure guys at tight end. And I think, in my opinion, there's a bunch of more, uh, there are a bunch of other tight ends that are more interesting to me. How do you see the tight end position and Cook at uh, coming up this year uh, for, the, for the Chargers? Cook is old, Wiz. He's an old guy. He's 35, 36 years old. I'm surprised at the money that they threw at the player. You know, Hunter Henry was a factor in this offense last year. I was a little bit excited coming into this season. I thought a potential sleeper was a guy like Donald Parham, a big dude, six foot eight, 250 pounds, had a couple of touchdowns last year. I thought maybe we'd get an opportunity for the full-time job, but they bring Cook in. I don't know. I think you talked a lot about Cook over the last couple of years as being very touchdown dependent in that New Orleans system. But like I said, he's an aging guy, probably more susceptible to injury. Uh, I'm not drafting him as a number one tight end. No, I'm, I'm going to let Steph do that. I'm not going to be doing that. Um, but I would just keep a little bit of an eye on Parm because I think he's the younger, better athlete amongst this group. Uh, but again, not confident in the position in this offense. I think uh, I, I, I'd, I'd be looking at that number two receiver position as more of the next option in this offense than coming from the tight end. So me, I'm avoiding the tight end situation in Las, in, in Los Angeles Chargers to start with. Yeah, I'm with you on that. And as far as special teams, again, you know, you're going up against some good offenses in that division, but the Chargers do get some of the defensive guys back that were hurt uh, last year. Uh, how do you view the Chargers defense and Michael Badgley as well? Yeah, you know what? You know, for a few years running, obviously Bosa was a big part of this. Melvin Ingram was here. He's not here right now. They've had a lot of injuries in that secondary, um, and I think that's kind of hurt them. You know, right now, coming into the season, I don't think this is a defense that's being talked about at all. Uh, You know, certainly their matchups are going to be challenging within the division. Um, But I think they're out of the equation in terms of a top 12 defense. I think this will be a stream defense, if anything. I think they're going to have to show it to me. I'm staying away from that. I'm also staying away from Badgley because Badgley was lousy as a kicker last year. He missed a lot of field goals. Right? Wasn't he, he missed nine field goals last year? I, I don't remember the exact number. He missed a lot. He missed a lot of field goals last year. He was wildly inconsistent. Um, I, it's not a player that I'm drafting. So I'm going into this season. I, traditionally, I've always felt that the Chargers have had a nice defense. But I think, like I said, losing Ingram and, and just question marks around this defense, I'm not super excited about what I see. And I think most people would agree with that. And again, with Badgley, he just missed way too many kicks last year. No confidence in that particular player. Yeah, it's funny because Badgley calls himself the money badger, which is, you know, pretty, um, I think it's pretty ironic considering how bad he was. I mean, when he kicks a field goal, it really reminds me of like a Bryson DeChambeau drive. I mean, once in a while, it's going to go long and down the middle, but most of the time it's going to be hooked and there's going to be a lot of swearing involved. (laughs) Yeah, and he was 24 of 33 last year, uh, and he missed... He was 10 for 19 from, I think, 40-plus, I think. Yeah, that, that's um, yeah, that's not good. And, and he missed a few extra points as well. So, yeah, not a, this is a good offense, right? But, you know, you need to have confidence in your kicker. And right now, that's not a guy that I have confidence in. I wouldn't even be surprised at some point if somebody, you know, free agent or somebody overtook him for that starting job, to be honest. 
Yeah, and, and so Wiz, just as a whole, do you think the Chargers, so yeah, we're wrapping up this division, you know, Kansas City is the best team in this division. Uh, who, who, who do you think at the end is going to be the team that gives Kansas City a fight or is in the equation as a playoff team? Or are, are we talking about a division where they're going to struggle to put a second team in the playoffs? Yeah, I think I think certainly the answer to that question is Denver if Aaron Rodgers arrives there. And if not, there's a lot to like about the Chargers. I mean, a new coach, they lost a lot of tough games. You gotta see if they're gonna win some of those games that they lost in a in a tough manner last year. And uh you know, they got some of those defensive players back that were hurt. A, a very good draft. Uh so Broncos are in that conversation with Rodgers. But the Chargers, I think, are the team to is the team that could uh, contend and make the playoffs as well this year. All right, Wiz. So that's a wrap on the AFC Guru and Wiz Fantasy Football Podcast, Spotify, Apple Podcasts, and SoundCloud. Uh, next time you hear from us, we will begin the NFC podcast and team by team capsules. Hopefully, you're enjoying these. We're putting one out a day they're getting out there they're drifting out there Wiz and I are getting our preparation ready for the 2021 season very excited to continue to take you on our journey and uh, Wiz I'll wish you a good evening stay dry and uh, speak to you about the NFC next time we talk you got it you do the same <laughs>